Hello and welcome to The Roundtable, a Next Generation Politics podcast. Next Generation Politics is a leading movement of young people committed to building bridges across various divides. I'm Kanisha, and this week, for our last podcast of 2021, Inika, Jack, and I had the special holiday treat of being in conversation with two of our amazing alumni podcasters, Juliana Davis from our founding podcast team and now a sophomore at American University, deemed by some as the most liberal school in America, and Divya Ganesan from last year's podcast team, who is now a freshman at Stanford University. It provided a good opportunity to reflect on core values from NGP that they have carried on with them to college, pragmatism, commitment to broadening and deepening our understanding, investment in hearing others' perspectives, and thinking about how people's backgrounds affect their views, how vilification prevents us from being able to hear others, the value of learning from experts on topics of interest. We had an open and constructive conversation about the challenges of polarization on campus and how those are exacerbated by online exchanges and social media. Anyone can be a keyboard warrior, as Juliana put it. We debunked some myths that the path to and through college is linear. It's curvy. That college culture is cutthroat. Apparently it's collaborative. And that there's a trade-off between freedom of thought and expression, as it's essential for true learning. And that members of Gen Z aren't mature enough to engage in sophisticated political conversations, which just may be operating under a different belief system. Most importantly, we enjoyed reconnecting with one another and connecting with you, our beloved listeners. Thank you for joining us. Hi, my name is Anika Kodestane, and I'm a high school senior from New Jersey. In addition to being on the podcast, I'm also the co-editor-in-chief of the Next Generation Politics blog. And today it's great to be here with Juliana and Divya, who I did have the pleasure of working with during their respective seasons on the podcast. So I'm excited to have you guys back and willing to have this conversation wherever it goes. Hi, everybody. I'm Jack. I'm a high school junior in Manhattan. Very happy to be on Christmas break right now. So happy holidays to all. I have been a member of the podcast team since spring of last year, and I'm really excited to talk with the two alums that we have on today about what reflections they have coming out of NextGen and what skills they've taken into college after learning them here. Hi, my name's Kanisha. I'm a high school junior from Queens, New York. In addition to being on the podcast, I'm also a facilitator at YVote. And today I'm just really excited to talk with you guys, podcast and NGP alums, about what impact NGP has on your college experience and like the skills not only that have to do directly with civic engagement and politics, but just other skills and takeaways that you guys have kind of gathered from NGP and how they're transferring to college and just in general hearing about that experience because we don't seem to get at least like the class of 2021 perspective as much as I think we should. I'm just like really excited to talk with you guys. Hi everyone, I'm Divya Ganesan. So great to see all of you again. I'm really excited to be back on the podcast as an alumni, which is crazy to me. I'm a freshman at Stanford. I'm from the Bay Area and I am excited to hear it, I guess, from you guys about what you've been talking about on the podcast in the last quarter and what the type of conversations have been as we've moved into this kind of like hybrid, basically in-person state. Hi, I'm Juliana Davis and I am a sophomore at American University in Washington, D.C. I'm really excited to be back on the podcast today. 
I did it when I was in high school and I was also a lead fellow and I'm really excited to share, I'm using air quotes, but like wisdom I could share about like being in college and hybrid learning and like what I've taken from NGP and how it's impacted my college experience. One thing I wanted to talk about was in response to what Jack had brought up before we began recording, which was about how NGP impacted the sort of skill set you came to college with. And I want to preface this by saying I go to American University. It's one thing that students are very like proud of talking about that they're like the most liberal school in America. I think the way that discourse happens among the student body, I don't really know for like upperclassmen or freshmen. I just know like specifically for the sophomore class. I think a lot of the conversations that happen, there's not like any meat to the conversations people have when people are just talking about like what's going on in the world, like in their day-to-day lives. I think that there's a lack of like perspective. And I think that being an NGP, a strong principle that we were taught while I was there with pragmatism and like understanding like where they grew up, where they came from, like their background will impact their perspective. And I think a lot of people really like being in their echo chamber and talking to people who only agree with them and sort of vilifying people who disagree with them. And I just think that that's unproductive. And I was really like surprised to come from an environment like NGP. I think a conversation can only be truly productive when you're talking to somebody who doesn't share your perspective. There's always something to learn from somebody who doesn't have the exact same experience in life as you. But when you go to a school where like the student population is incredibly wealthy and like a lot of them are from like the same area, like I'm the only person from my high school that goes there, but there are a lot of people that I know that like groups of their kids from their high school went. So it's like, it sort of defeats the purpose of college in general, which is to like broaden your understanding. To tie it back to what Jack had asked about NGP, like I think pragmatism, like I said, was something that was really heavily practiced when we would have our different group discussions. And it was something that I am really thankful that I like learned because when I got to college, it was something that I saw that like was pretty rare to like enter a conversation with a pragmatic mindset. I think one of the things I was most excited about going into college and this is a lot because of both NGP and the nonprofit I co-ran in high school and the Talk was like the ability to live with all these people with incredibly diverse experiences and backgrounds. And as a result, just have naturally different conversations. And something I noticed is that I would probably say the majority of our student body is liberal, but their opinions come from different places. And so I think one thing I learned in high school was that even if people seem to have the same opinions, they generally don't have them for the same reasons. And nuances definitely come out when you talk about specific policies and differences. And so I feel like those types of identity-based conversations, like whether it's like in the dorms or in specific poli-sci classes have been really valuable for me. I was surprised with the lack of tolerance in the student body. Very different from the type of environment and conversation that I think NGP creates. And I think that part of that also comes to social media and online. And I'm actually curious to hear from you, Juliana, if you feel like that was like stratified or extremified in the online state. But I knew before even school started, like people on the group chats were like getting canceled. People were creating like liberal versus conservative group chats. And for me, that felt really problematic. I was like, why are we already siloing ourselves in the echo chamber until we even got to campus? That surprised me. And I'm grateful that I was in a place in high school where I could actively and openly engage in discourse that was different than that. We actually were like actively engaging perspectives that were different from us. I think the last thing that NGP taught me was to look for expertise in the areas I want to learn a lot about. I found it so valuable to talk to so many different people on the podcast about topics that I was really interested in, whether it was like gerrymandering or like voting rights and hearing perspectives. Those opportunities are like widely available. And so as a freshman, I got to take a class with Larry Diamond and James Fishkin, who are two of the top political science professors at Stanford, and they run the Center for Deliberative Democracy. So like right up NGP's lane and talking to experts about what they think about deliberation and the state of discourse, like having Democracy Day at Stanford and listening to all these cool speakers has been extremely valuable for me in understanding what 
the type of discourse we want could look like and what that means for democracy as a whole. I think to answer your question, there was an instance where like people were making, we use like group me a lot. People were making separate group me's. There was like the conservative group me, the liberal group me, the moderate group me. And it was all based on seemingly innocuous comments that people made in the large shared group chat that like was for the class of 2024. One big contributor to the way that people reacted during virtual classes was because everybody can be a keyboard warrior. You don't ever have to see this person in real life. If you don't even turn your camera on in your Zoom class, somebody says something that you think is unintelligent or uninformed or like is something that you just like disagree with and you want to call them out for it. I think it was a lot more frequent to see people using the Zoom chat box to argue with other people in the class. I had one class where the chat box was disabled because of that because my professor was like, it's really annoying. If you guys want to have like a civilized class discussion about it, like bring your perspective to the table, but don't beef with each other and like the Zoom chat box, like that's a waste of time. So to answer your question, yes, I think it was much worse when we had online classes because people felt very protected. If I want to be argumentative or disrespectful or immature, like I can do it because I'm not seeing this person in real life. Like, I mean, people have definitely given other people stares and stuff when they say something like a little wacky in class, but nobody is like actively calling them out for it because we're in person. Yeah, um, I kind of want to switch gears a little bit and talk about like that shift from high school, whether that be like specific to NGP or not, and then and how you interact with that political climate or just college culture in general. Mm-hmm. Actually, like college has been at the forefront of my mind recently since at school for our newspaper, we just did like special coverage about college culture since it's been like early decision week and people have gone through all that stuff. And at least at my school, college culture is like huge, it's super competitive. Everyone's focused on it like from freshman year on. And I mean, just like looking so deeply into that and reporting on that in like my own school has been super interesting. So I was just like wondering about you guys, how did you see the sentiment towards college kind of shift from like high school to actually going into college? And then like specific to NGP, how did your expectations for college and like your sentiments about college shift or like how were they challenged or affirmed as you went into college? My mother just like wanted me to like do very well. And so when I was in high school, I saw things in a lot of like black and white sort of extremes. Like if I don't do this, like I'm not gonna get into college. I was also taught by my high school teachers, like this isn't gonna fly in college. You're not gonna be able to do this. You're not gonna be able to do that. Like literally anything, like they made it sound like it would be like a thoroughly unenjoyable experience. I think on some level because of like what I'd heard from my mother and my grandmother about like their college experience. Like I knew college wasn't going to be some completely unenjoyable experience, but I spent every day of like my junior and senior year of high school being told that I, I need to get like really prepared for like the real world and the harsh realities of college. What's interesting is that I think my experience is a little bit different in that I went to like a pretty small private all girls school that was very diligent. Kids were really hardworking and was like quite rigorous. And so the myth I kind of heard was that, you know, like high school and getting into college is going to be the hardest part. <laughs> And then once you get to college, it's going to be easy from there. That's not true. <laughs> well, I guess it depends on what you want to do. But, you know, I found like academically college was like pretty tough. You get less resources. They give you more open-ended like prompts, questions. You're expected just to know more. I think one thing that really struck me about college is that people are very, very collaborative. I have friends stay up with me all night to help me finish my math problem sets. People are like more than happy to peer edit. And it's just a culture of like, you know, there's not like a strict path from here. Like you're at college, we're all going to find different paths. And the idea of like a zero-sum game where you're all competing against each other, it's like just not really there anymore. And so I think like the spirit of collaboration is really, really like refreshing and exciting in college. Another myth from high school is that like there's a really like linear path. Like maybe it's like 
high school, college, grad school. If anything, like seeing the way that people have taken gap years of random time, seeing people drop out to work on startups has taught me like there really is a linear path. And the most powerful thing you can do is just kind of like follow what you're interested in. I also saw that there were people who took such non-linear paths to get to the same place that I did. And so like there really is like not a single like recipe or thing that you do. And it seemed to me that like the most interesting people I've met have just really followed their passions and this is where it's taken them. And that's really, really impressive. And so there's no checklist. Not everything is linear. Things are more open than you expect. I think that's a very freeing thing that you don't get in high school. You get so much choice, which can be like scary and debilitating, but also super exciting. The hardest part about call, just figuring out now that you have all these choices, how do you choose to navigate that without the requirements and advisorship that narrow high school life was like? Divya, when you spoke about like this idea that we're all competing in a zero-sum game, that definitely resonated with me. Like I would call my school more on the collaborative side, but there definitely is that like undercurrent, especially among like the more academically focused kids that like at the end of the day, we're all competing for like four spots at like Harvard, Princeton, Yale. You know, we have those four spots and we like, I want to be the one, which I think is a terribly unhealthy mindset. And it's actually something that I think causes a lot of stress aside from like a very high pressure academic environment. So I think that to me, what really spoke to me is that you have a lot more academic freedom and you have a lot more like choice in what you can learn and what you can say in class in that like you have these open-ended prompts, which you mentioned, and that is more collaborative. But that also at the same time, it feels like the environment in college must seem significantly like more restrictive. Like I know my sister who's a sophomore at Northwestern right now, you know, will tell me about some of the, the group chat shenanigans that go on, right? And like when you, you all were saying about like the splintering group chats and like the crazy like cancel culture and so on, so I guess my question would be, do you think that there's necessarily a trade-off between like the like academic freedom and being able to like take a bunch of classes and do what you want and then also have this like very sort of like one track idea of like what is correct and what you can say? In college, you can pursue a bunch of different paths, but I also kind of feel like there's like this sort of like these guardrails that keep your thought very constrained and sort of prevent you from veering outside of it. So I wonder if you find that to be your experience. I think it'd be really, really sad <laughs> if most people's college experiences is that you have academic freedom, but not like freedom of thought. That sounds terrible to me. And I think it definitely depends where you are. Something I'm really grateful for, and I don't think most colleges have this, is that Stanford, even though it's probably a predominantly liberal institution in terms of academia and our professors, has the Hoover Institute, which is a primarily conservative think tank. And that for me has been a wonderful resource. And I think your point about like, restriction the way you think, there's certainly professors who are going to try to influence. Like if I take classes with like Warhawks, that's the type of mindset I'm going to have. But I think it's up to students to the point of agency to take classes with a variety of professors. And part of what I think is important about programs like NGP, and I know that we really emphasize this in Real Talk, is that it's up to students to actively try to seek diverse perspectives. And if students don't want to do that, then there's nothing college can do <laughs> to fix that. And so I would say most colleges probably have the resources to have professorships and thinking that is like free. And so that whether that's me taking like one class with like a really liberal professor and purposely taking a class with a super conservative professor the next quarter to really understand what the variety of perspectives are. That's like on the academic side. In terms of conversations among students, I think it's less of a college thing, more of a generational thing where when you're in the midst of all the social peer pressure, depending where you are, you're gonna try to conform to what most people are gonna believe. And so I'm not exactly sure how we solve that. I think that's definitely a problem. How do you get people to really value individual and diverse thinking and learn how to not see it as like threatening, but like a really important part of their education outside of the classroom. Divya said about your college having resources. I think that's one area where like they have the resources, but making them sort of like publicizing them properly is a big issue. And I think that that's because they're afraid of like student ridicule. One thing about students at my school is they really enjoy like trolling people who like don't agree with them, which I think as an adult who's pursuing a degree in political science, 
who has learned about like trying to understand and empathize with other people's perspectives. It's like really sad to see like these like grown adults beefing with each other. Seemingly unimportant things get really blown out of proportion and crucified if you're from like the political minority on campus. That's why I think my school hasn't done a good job of like publicizing the resources for like conservative students on campus because they don't want to have to like face the ridicule from the student body, which is really unfortunate in my opinion. People want to have these like very important political conversations or discuss really important social issues. And there's just a level of maturity that a lot of people have not reached to participate in the conversation productively. Most people my age pushing 20, not even teenagers are like not mature enough to have an adult conversation about a political topic, which is really, really unfortunate. I don't know if I would agree that people necessarily like are immature. I think that they might be operating under like a very different belief set, right? Like if you've grown up in this atmosphere of like really questioning systems and like, especially you see this coming out of 2020, that there's like some implicit bias everywhere and we need to reevaluate everything. I think we're operating on like a different paradigm of how you should have a conversation and that it's okay to say open ideas and open-ended, you know, statements are okay. I think that there's sort of a, a degree of flattening, just calling people immature, because I think that they think they are doing the right thing. And I think that that's super interesting and also really terrifying because everybody thinks they're doing the right thing. But I think that acknowledging that we can see somebody and think, oh, that's immature. But I think it's also important to sort of realize that like, hey, wait a second, maybe they think they're acting correct. So specifically like going into college and being immersed in really just academic space, especially like I know if colleges have like graduate students or do a lot of research, it's very common, like in political theory classes or in seminar classes, where you are having these like kind of like political discussions or hopefully having productive discourse. How do you find that like academic setting or just, you know, being in like a post-secondary university? Like, does it add to the conversation? Does it make it more difficult? Because I know you guys were talking about what goes on outside of the classroom, but when you actually get in the classroom where you're prompted to have those discussions, how exactly does that look? The way that my classes worked, at least the, the classes in this quarter was called Spirit of Democracy. And we would have like lectures Monday and Wednesday. And after that, you would have a section where you have the same 16 people twice a week. And we would just discuss. And what I found is that I think it may have been a result of the class being on policy and then attracting a kind of diverse group of views was that because our class, our conversations have to be so rooted in texts that were specifically chosen to show a diversity of viewpoints. And also was kind of in a smaller group. I thought that the political discussion was actually maybe not civil, but very diverse. And I got to hear a lot of perspectives. And what I found valuable was that the point of the end of the discussion was never to agree with each other. It was just to like listen and understand. And I think that's like one of the key components of both NGP and what we learned in high school, right? Like the whole point of a conversation is to listen and to understand. The really key thing I learned in those section discussions. The other piece of that I think is really valuable is we had a facilitator for the discussion who had to like assign roles. And every, like when you have a casual conversation with friends, they're not going to decide like, okay, you've been talking too much. You're not going to talk enough. So I find it really valuable that we had a facilitator there. I think something that's pretty interesting. We did a deliberative process because the whole point of the class was to kind of explore deliberative polling as well. And we had a conversation like online in the specific platform where they would time us and like rotate us and you had to put your name on a list to speak. I thought that was a really interesting experience because I think it made the distribution discussion much more equal. We didn't even have to have a facilitator, but it also meant that there was like a lack of cohesiveness to the conversation. And it felt like we didn't get to like a single ending. I felt like I usually would leave every conversation with a learning of some sort that was collaborative. And there's something really powerful about that. And so for me, I realized I really missed in-person conversations and the type of like satisfaction you get in having a really powerful discourse like that. I don't think it always com comes through online. 
I love that 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 sort of model of everybody has to speak because I think at my school specifically talking about my political theory class it was called individual freedom versus authority and we had to read like a book a week we had to read the communist manifesto the prince by Machiavelli we had to read Plato we had to read a bunch of different texts and then every single class would be centered around like the reading from the previous week and there would be like four or five central questions that we had to answer based on the chapter and it would be like what is the true meaning of virtue like what is how does Machiavelli define virtue like what is we would have to discuss like psychological egoism like all of these different concepts they were hard conversations to have my professor would sometimes do cold calling to get people to speak but I do think that it, it made conversations interesting but we left every single conversation in that class in particular like with no answers, like the opportunity to like really think about like an answer to one specific question would be like in the paper writing process. Like we had to write a big research paper at the end of the semester. But beyond that, it's much different between like online and in person, it's, which is something I've noticed because I think online, like the discussions were much more stale and you can't force people to talk. But if somebody is sitting right in front of you, like you can ask them to speak up. The conversations are definitely more interesting. And I would argue more productive because there are more contributions to the conversation. But I would also say that like, in political theory classes in particular, like, it's really hard, at least in my experience to like leave the conversation with like a solid concrete perspective, you really can't answer any of the questions that you're asking, but it's really fun to think about an answer. That's all for today with Next Gen Politics. I'm editor Irina Chowdhury signing off. Please check out our website at www.nextgenpolitics.org slash podcast for links related to what we've discussed and to find out more about our work. And please recommend us to your civic-minded friends or to your friends you'd like to become more civic-minded.